You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as we look forward to the agonising but hopefully joyous end of the season as Nottingham Forest go into the playoffs where they'll take on Sheffield United after that 1-1 draw with Hull on Saturday. So to preview that big uh, two-legged tie against the Blades, we're joined first of all by Reds legend Gary Bertels. Hello Gary, are you well? Yeah, good morning. Fine, thank you. You? Yes, good, thank you. Not good. too bad at all. And our second guest today is Forest fan Michael Temple. Hello Temps, you okay? Morning Matt, good to see you. Yes, you too. Good to see you both, gents. Um, so, I must admit, my heart sank when it wasn't Luton and it was going to be Sheffield United. I'm absolutely traumatised by 2003, even now. Gary, tell me I've got nothing to worry about and it's all going to be okay. You've got nothing to worry about. It's going to be okay. We're going to beat them. Good. They don't want to, nobody wants to play us, believe me. You know, it's, Luton, we saw what happened at Luton, that tight little pitch that didn't suit our you know style of play. Yeah, we got done by refereeing mistakes again, but uh, they had a bad one themselves as well. Um, the only thing was, apparently they've got a load of injury problems, Luton, so I've been told. Mm-hmm. So it would have been maybe a good time to play them. But with the away leg first, Sheffield United know that they have got to go for it. And they also know that if they go for it, we could punish them massively with our pace and uh, where the goals come from. We've got so many players now who, are, who can chip in with goals and make a difference. Um, I don't think we'll go defensively. I just think we'll go as we normally play. Why shouldn't we? You know, it's worked perfectly well all the way through. Why change it now? And I, I would think the trepidation will be with Sheffield United more than more than us, without a doubt. What's your take on it, Temps? Would you, would you have wanted Luton more deep down, or, or does this feel like a tie for us? Are pretty well set up for? Yeah, Gary's right. It should be about us rather than the opposition. And if we we play as we have been, we can we can beat anybody. I think Luton would would have been the easier tie, just because they're spoiling tactics with um, that TV audience, that many people watching, that much of an important game. Uh, I think could have played into our hands. We we would have been looking to play football, and they have that physical brand, don't they? And, and try to try to rough teams up a bit. So I, I, I think I think we could have dealt with that quite comfortably over two legs. And Sheffield United will be a tougher tie, but we're favourites for a reason, and that's because of the form we've showed since Steve Cooper arrived. So no fear. Um, but yeah, to your point, who would I have rather have played? Luton for sure. Mm, me too. Me too. Right. We'll get into more about that tie in a bit. We should reflect on the whole game, the final game of the regular season, finish in a 1-1 draw. Um, team selection, I'll just we had a big debate, me, Temps and Greg, on the last podcast about how we thought Forrest would go. In the end, they went with this team. Samba, Worrell, Figueredo, a debut for Young Panzo, Lorea, Cafu, Garner, Lolly, Zinkenagel, Maiton and Silva. A lot of changes there, Gary. I mean, who can doubt Steve Cooper in terms of what he's done this season? But would you have gone a bit stronger or do you think he's done the right thing there? No, I was delighted when I saw the team sheet um, because... We're right at the precipice with strikers, aren't we? Um, and you don't want to get your key players injured. Uh, it's no disrespect to Hull whatsoever. I mean, they got walloped the uh, week before, so they didn't want that to happen. So it's going to be a difficult game, I would have thought, anyway, for pride for them after the previous weekend. Uh, so I think he got it spot on. Um, you know, we should have won it. They, they equalised. We scored an injury time. They scored an injury time. Um, but that's the way it goes. You know, football's a, a very unpredictable sport. We know that. And uh, you've just got to take what comes. And at least now we've got, you know, a fit Surridge. You know, we've got 
Brennan Johnson. We've got Jed Spence because Middlesbrough didn't get uh, in there. They got battered by Preston. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, apart from the win, it all went according to plan. Yeah, I mean, Temps, my big worry was you play Brennan or Jed and they're young athletes. One of them pulls a hamstring in a sprint and that's them done. Uh, I felt Cooper did the right thing. What about you? Yeah, he did do the right thing. And he, he, he did what he said he was going to, didn't he, in his, in his pre-match conference when he said some of these boys need rhythm, want to carry on playing. And there's a few walking wounded who needed a weekend on the sidelines. So I, I, I think he, he got it right, probably asked everybody if they wanted to play, um, took some insight from the, 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 the medical team. Um, and where those that were perhaps on the cusp told him they fancied playing, but they were, you know, managing a knock, I'd, I'd probably include Surridge in that in that number. Um, he made he made the sensible call. So good to get a few minutes into the um, uh, the, the, the players that uh, had that opportunity. But I think it did highlight how much stronger we are when he names his best eleven without any kind of. Um, fitness fitness issues because a few looked a bit undercooked. I thought Mighton looked a bit undercooked. Silver, we were a little bit blunt up front in the in the first half, but then others. Panzo looked very assured. The rear is an exciting prospect um, in in possession. Um, so yeah, he got it. He got it right, and it was nice to have that that you know weekend where he had the luxury of, of making those decisions. Yeah, I want to come back to Panzo and Lorea. I just want to come to you first, Gary, about this lack of attacking depth. I suppose my concern now is if Sam Surridge isn't having a good game, as we saw at Bournemouth, perhaps second half, there's no Keenan Davis or Lewis Graben to bring on as it stands. Maybe Davis gets back. You never know with Forest and injuries this season. But does that worry you a bit against a team like Sheffield United? Uh, not particularly, because I, I watch Surridge very, very closely every time I, I, I watch him and see what he does. And uh, it's not just his finishing capabilities, it's his movement that causes problems for defenders as well. Uh, and his, his appetite to close things down and try and stop them playing out from the back. That allows midfield to push up a couple of yards. That allows the back three or five to push up even more. And that makes it more comfortable and makes it more um, problematic for the opposition. So I, I've not got a problem with um, whether he plays well or not. Strikers sometimes don't. They're beholden on support from elsewhere. And if they're not getting that support, you can't blame them. But he's, he's an honest lad. He, he won't shirk the responsibility of doing the rest off the ball when he hasn't got it or when he's in a position to score, maybe. You know, he's, uh, he's an honest lad. Uh, he, he runs a line really well. He doesn't give defenders an opportunity to relax. So, you know, as a striker, I know sometimes you could not have the ball for 10 minutes or whatever, but... You know, good strikers then react when it does come their way. And he's that sort of player for me. I think since he got in the team and he got 90 minutes, we've seen one of the best finishers in the championship. You can say Mitrovic, but Mitrovic is a different sort of striker. Some of the finishes you've seen from Sam Surridge have been absolutely sensational. Not just the ones in the roof of the net. The little bits of movement, you know, for headers and things like that. And little bits of adjustment in the box, you know, to maybe get an easier goal, you know, tapping maybe. He's not just a one-trick pony. He's got so many different facets to his game. And I, I just love watching him play. He's, he's the sort of player I love because I used to do that sort of thing. I used to put, you know, all the hard work in to try and help others out. And he's exactly he does exactly the same. He's a great team player. And, you know, your, your teammates respect that when you can see a striker doing that, when he's not actually getting the chances coming his way. 
Um, Richard's asking in the comments about Keenan Davis saying he drags fans away from Brendan Johnson. Any news when he could feature? I think Cooper's doing press today, uh, Monday, as we record this. So we might find out more, but I think we've seen with Forrest on this season, sometimes a player will appear on the bench from nowhere, and that'll be welcome news if uh, he is there on Saturday in Keenan's case. Uh, Temps, just going back to Panzo, an interesting player because he's got this reputation of being a big, big prospect who's not really stuck anywhere. It's, it's his first appearance of Forrest after signing in January, so quite a long wait. I heard good things about many under 23s. You said earlier you, you were quite impressed by what you saw. Yeah, he's very assured and he kind of fits that mould, doesn't he, of a, uh, a defensive player who's comfortable on the ball, can find a pass, isn't just a, a hoof merchant. Because I think that the days of um, Forrest being able to accommodate limited defenders have, have gone. We look to build from the back. We like the ball into midfield. Uh, often one of the centre-halves will stride out and try and create that overlap. So it's important they're comfortable on the ball. And I just thought he really was. And I can see... Uh, why he could fit into the, the forest system if he was called upon uh, more and more. So, yeah, Panzo looks a good prospect for me. Um, the fact he hasn't had any minutes is just symptomatic of the fact that um, Cook, Warren and McKenna have been bulletproof. And in fairness as well, Figueredo had a good game at the weekend. And whenever he stepped up, he's looked very comfortable. So I'm sure Panzo's knocked on the manager's door. The Coopers had good reason to keep faith with the fellas that have, have got the shirts. Um, but I've, I think we'll see more of him next season. And I think it could hopefully be another one of those situations where it's the right player at the right club. Of course, so much depends on what league we're operating in. I'm not, sure he would not, I'm not sure he would knock on the manager's door, actually. Because if you can see people in your position doing nothing wrong and being absolutely brilliant then you've got no qualms. You, you can't think, well, I'm better than them. Well, you can do if you want to, but how can a manager change something that is probably the best in the championship? You know, mm. how can you change that? So I don't think he'd probably be like that. His agent may be telling him to do that, um, but I don't think he'd want to do it off his own back uh, because he can see it. It, it. It's stupid to say, right, you know, I think I should be in the team when those three are doing so well. Mm-hmm. Anyone else stand out for you, Tamps? That doesn't normally um, play. Uh, not, no, I, th- I thought Martin and Silver looked looked undercooked. I think that was um, to, to Gary's point earlier, where uh, the absence of Davis, uh, Graben, Surridge felt we are we are light up top because of that those those circumstances with injury. So um, no, didn't see enough from them to think they're going to be uh, you know decent prospects improve the side in the in the playoffs. Larea. First start again. Waited a long time for it. Clearly, he's got some some pace. He's comes from the ball, but he didn't have the impact that Jed Spence has been having. Understandably so. He's one of the standout players in the in the championship championship this season. Um, so Panzer was the one for me, Matt, at the weekend. The problem is when when you come into a situation like that where the team's been pretty nailed on for quite a bit now, other than injuries, it's difficult then to expect too much from the players who come in because they're not up to speed. They're not as fit. You can do as much training as you like. You can play for the under-23s as much as you like, but you're not up to spec for the championship, you know, because you're just not, you know, even though, you know, everything's better for players now, they get more help, more, you know, vitamins, they get uh, fitness trainers, get everything, you know, there's so many things going on to help players now. It's that 90 minutes on a Saturday afternoon that you need on a regular basis. If you don't get that, you can probably put it in for about an hour, but there are going to be moments where you don't look particularly good and you don't look fit. 
And that's not their fault. They can only come and play when they're picked and when they're told to go on. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I, I, I haven't got a problem with, with that because I saw Mike come on the other week and score that goal. The tenacity he showed when he, you know, he, he went through there to get that. There are moments that he can do that again because he's got that ability. And they've all got that ability, these players who are coming in. And every, what, 15, 20 minutes they get in a game, you know, would help. But there's not much time left now, obviously. But I think he, Steve will be happy with what he saw at the weekend in certain areas from certain players who he thinks, right, OK, that's not bad. That's what I wanted to see in case, you know, we do get injury problems and we, we need somebody to step in. If you were making a change now, Gary, with like 15 minutes to go and you need a goal, is Mighton higher up the pecking order than Lolly now? Because he's got that bit of explosiveness that he can do yes, something. without a doubt. Um, this, that's nothing against Joe Lolly because we know what Joe Lolly's capable of, um, you know, when he's at his best. But, you know, when you want somebody with pace to upset somebody and you, you might you might get a penalty, you know, that half yard that he goes past somebody, just gets a toe poke, you get brought down. Um you know, I, I did a game um, at I did Wolves v uh, who did I do Wolves v Brighton the other week, and they had two penalties. And one, it was just because um, the boy who played for Liverpool up front, what's his name? Uh, I forget his name now. He got bought down. It was just it looked an accident. Um, come on, tell me who it is at Brighton. Lalana. No striker. Does it? Was it? No, was it Welbeck? Oh, at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah Arsenal, Arsenal man, you didn't Liverpool, they? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, that, that sort of, you know, incident, his pace just took him away and there was a collision. It was a definite penalty and that's what he could do because he has that ability just to be able to maybe go away half a yard quicker than somebody else. And, you know, late in games, you know, that can that can turn a game on its head. And, um, yeah, he, he would be the top of my pack in order to, to come on if needed. We saw that on Saturday in a different way, didn't we, Temps, with Surridge to win that penalty. I thought it was definitely a penalty. I've only seen it on my phone. You saw the game in full. But it looked really clever striker play, wasn't it, to get ahead of Huddleston and get his body in the way? Yeah, I think he knew what he was doing. Um, you know, striker's trick, but it, was, it wasn't a con. He put his, he put his uh, foot in the, right, in the right place to grab it. Huddleston straight away, he's giving it the old two hands in the air, didn't touch him, boss, but it looked to me on the... Um, on the replay, certainly that um, Surridge earned that earned that penalty. But Surridge can't be an impact player now. We need that quality up top, and mm-hmm. we'll learn a bit more, as you say, about the fitness of, um, of of Keenan Davis. But he is going to be key in this playoff run if he's not one hundred percent or or can't um, you know give us give us sixty minutes. And I think you've got to find a way to accommodate Brennan Johnson centrally. And then that selection point around Lolly and, uh, and and Mighton becomes really really key because I don't think there's any other shuffle in which Forrest can um, maintain the, the the level of quality and have that quality finisher um, that they, they're going to need in these in these games. So I, I hope and pray that Surridge is is fit and ready to to start these games because that's Plan A. Um, but you won't see Silver or or Mighton up top uh, in these three games we've got remaining this season. I, I thought the interesting thing was a lot of Forest supporters were more excited that Keenan Davis was on the coach at Bournemouth. I think wasn't he? He went. Did he go down on the coach with the, the team to Bournemouth? Yeah, he might well have done. I know. Forest, I thought Keenan Davis was on the coach, or whether it was Hull, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so hopefully that's 
indicates there might be an opportunity, you know, to, to get him in there. And uh, his fitness levels are good. You know, he's, he's been out, but he, he's built up his fitness level. So that won't be a concern. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't leave Surridge out for me. You just cannot leave him out because of what he gives the team. Um, the, the, you know, capacity to finish how he does is just, uh, you know, absolutely staggering at times, the, the quality he finds. And when you're a striker, confidence is a, a major thing. And when you're a confident striker, you know, you back yourself so often. And uh, he was unlucky at Bournemouth at the bar. A lot of people said to me, why didn't he use his right foot the same as the previous game? It looked like the exactly replica of where he was, the pace of the ball that came to him. I thought he was going to hit this with, with his right foot and he didn't hit it with his left. And, you know, people were, were talking about that for quite a bit. But, uh, you know, he puts himself in the positions to do that. He's not frightened of missing. And that that is major for a striker, that you're not frightened to miss. If you're frightened to miss, you don't get the positions to, to miss. Simple mm. as. Mm. I, I was guilty of that a little bit when I was at Man United. Um, you know, you're thinking, oh, I don't want to miss one. And not very often, but I can remember one against Man City. You know, the worst game you could, you know, bottle it a little bit. And, uh, I, you know, I held my hands at once. I think it was only the ones. But um, I know how strikers feel when, you know, it's not going their way. And But he's not like that. He just keeps getting in there. How can you tell it's not going their way then? From experience, is it like, you know, you don't go that extra yard to get into space? Is that kind no, of that kind you, of You'll take an extra touch. You okay. know, just try and make sure instead of having two touches or one touch, you take another one to think, right, I've got to get this right. And then the defender closes you down. That's why in training you play one touch, two touch, three touch. Because three touch, that gives the defender time to close you down, no problem at all. Then you go to two touch, it gets more difficult for a defender. And then obviously one touch, you take it straight away. But the two touch is the important thing. Cluffy always said, never make a good chance better. But when you're not playing particularly well, it's not going your way. You try to do that. You probably subconsciously you're not trying to, but you do. And uh, that extra touch gives the defender time to close you down. So that's why I love what Surridge does. He, you know, he's, his confidence has grown dramatically, and I, I just love watching him. Um, quick word on the penalty that Brennan took, Temps, because I guess he's on penalties now if it comes to it in the in the playoffs. Good penalty. His run-up makes me a little nervous. The spit straight and then he jumps to the side. But I think he's given himself enough options to put it anywhere in the goal now. Confident he was going to score? Yeah, I was confident he was going to score. And we, we spoke about this before, but someone's had a word with him about um, the, the, the penalty he chooses to take. So whatever the run-up, do what you're comfortable with. But side foot with power is the way to consistently score penalties. And these penenkas or even lacing it, uh, make for good clips. But if, if you want to be trusted to take five to ten penalties a year, um, it's got to be side foot with power and be able to pick your spot. So there's been a word in his ear, no doubt his old man, if not Steve Cooper, telling him no more chips down the middle, please, because he has a mindset, a calmness, um, a maturity and a you know, technique. He can strike a football um, to be a very accomplished penalty taker. Now he's got that silly chip down the middle out of his mind so yeah I, I had confidence in Brennan um, and who knows how important penalties are going to be in the next few weeks oh god you've tempted it now you've tempted oh he's fainted tempted he's fainted <laughs> <laughs> best penalty for you Gary like Temp says low in the corner well I played with probably the second best penalty taker of all time Leticia I think was probably the best but John Robertson was magnificent um, you know both corners both feet and he he just went for corners, you know. He, he didn't miss a great deal, and you just always had the confidence that he was going to score. And the majority of the time, he did. So, 
and it's going to be heart and mouth stuff because we're talking about the biggest couple of games in football. You know, the, the money that you get going to the Premier League. I mean, that decision at Bournemouth was an absolute disgrace. What about VAR in the playoffs? Are we have, I, that wasn't on our questions for the show. Well, can, I just, can I just... I, I don't get this, this VAR. Right, three games. The um, West Brom game, we'll start with that. The referee and the assistant gave the throw to West Brom. The fourth official gets involved and said, no, it was it was a forest it was West Brom throw. Um, yeah, forest throw, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that gets overturned. Swansea game. The ball goes over the line. The boy claws it back, gets a red card. Then they say, because it you know, blah, 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 it was rescinded to a yellow. So how can they look at that and the other one and then not look at the one at Bournemouth? I, I don't get how they can look at one incident and two incidents and change the mind and not look at another one when it's clearly a massive decision. It just baffles me. My, my understanding of the, the goal and the reverse of the red card was that the, um, the, the goal review system, the goal line technology, which is at the city ground, did go off, but the ref's watch didn't. So the fourth official rightly said a goal had been scored, at which point the ref rescinded it um, because the handball was therefore out of play. So I think they, they got there in the end on that. But for anybody you know, casually watching and, and not having looked into the circumstances, you would be completely baffled um, by that reversal of decision. But they were using the technology correctly there, apart from the fact that the ref's watch failed. But, yeah, look, there's, there's incidents, and we always dwell on the ones which would have been in Forest's favour, and that, that Bournemouth game being the extreme yeah, I mean, was, example. Was the one they got it wrong. Well. They got yeah, it wrong. That, that guy at Luton got sent off, you know, and that was wrong as well. You know, the, the, the refer- standard of refereeing, I think, is a disgrace at the moment. I really do. I've never seen it support so many talking points. We're talking more about refereeing points and assistant referees' points than we are the football at the moment again. I mean, I think in the Premier League, the referees don't ref it because VAR refs it now. You know, it's, it's, and, you know, I speak to, you know, Nigel Clough and, you know, he said that some of the standards of refereeing, you know, it's, it's not. You know, brilliant. Why don't they have refresher courses or something like that? And then the, the two of them go and apologise to Steve Cooper after. Mm. That's the last thing I'd have wanted. I, I'd have wanted to punch him, you know. Don't come and knock on my door apologising, for goodness sake. You know, yes, you've made a mistake. I don't want to hear it. Fine. You know, you could have cost us 150 million quid there, you know, simple as. And it's always we always get this. The Premier League referees come down, and they always make the mistakes. It's it's just oh, overwhelmingly bad. Mm. I think the reason I like it in these playoffs is just because of Brennan Johnson. I really hope that if he gets pulled down in the box, that they have the bottle to actually reverse the decision and give him a penalty because he's really he should have had four, three or four more than he's had this easily, season. easily. So that's certainly why I would welcome it, and hopefully it does help Forest. Uh, like you say, Gary's right about the standard refereeing. It's been appalling. So hopefully there's no no escape for them this time when it comes to getting decisions wrong. Just finishing off the whole game, Temps, Forrest concedes literally from the kickoff. Freak goal. Is there anything they can do about that, really? You see that three or four times a season, don't you, where a, a whipped cross meanders slowly in at the back stick and nobody touches it. But the keeper can't react because he he's expecting contact the striker to have some kind of contact on that on that ball. So um, just write that off as a freak occurrence. I don't think anybody was really at fault, uh, but frustrating that we didn't have the resilience to see the game out having taken a taken a late lead. So um, 
No, I don't think we could have done too much about about that. If Samba had gone early and the striker touched it to the middle of the goal or the other post, then um, that that's uh, that that's a, a bad mistake. He he did what he needed to do, and um, yeah, it, it, the cross evaded everybody. No touch, in it goes. So disappointing, but unavoidable. Uh, question for you, know, you can answer this one, Gary. A question from Greg. Uh, how much of an impact will conceding a late goal on Saturday have on the mindset of the players going into the, the playoffs? Does it make any difference at all during 1-1 with Hull? Conceding? And then it not, changes not it all. from losing to Sheffield? No. Not, not, not an iota. It, it, it's gone. You can do nothing about it. It's finished. You know, we drew one all. We, we would like to have won it. You know, we're in a position to win it. Free goal comes along. You can do nothing about it. Players don't rest on things like that. They're just interested in what to do in the next game. You know, you can't do anything defensively to do anything about that. Um, if it's a mistake defensively, yes, you can, but it's a fluke goal. And, you know, we're in the playoffs anyway. We rested a load of players. And I think it just tells you how confident, you know, Steve Cooper and uh, the players are about playing anybody. You know, no, nobody, it, it's, it's everybody's been saying, you know, nobody wants the players. If we'd have scored that first goal at Bournemouth, you know, we might have missed a penalty had, had it been given. But if we'd have scored that, I think Bournemouth would have gone. I think their heads would have gone, the confidence would have gone, and we could have gone on to win that game, you know, by more. But that situation that lifted them, and you know, the second half performance was very good from them. Um, so no, I've got no qualms about going into the next game. Um, you know, people, all people are talking about is previous playoffs. Well, we've never got through to the final. Um, we haven't, but that's with different managers. That's with different players. You know, this group of players. There's a mixture of you know, massive experience and, you know, inspirational youth sort of thing. The mixture of the team at the moment is so good. Um, and everybody, you know, trusts each other in that that, that squad to what they can do for the, uh, their maximum at their peak. And, yeah, there's, there's going to be mistakes made. Jed Spence will go forward uh, and he might lose it. But, you know, the knowledge from him doing that is there's always going to be somebody there to cover for him when he does that. That's why he does get forward as much as he does, because he knows there's always going to be help behind if he, if he loses it. And, you know, that that's, gives oppositions a, a, an awful headache. And I just hope it gives them a headache again uh, at the weekend. Yeah, so first game Saturday at Bramall Lane, three o'clock, and the return at the City Ground Tuesday night, 7.45. How do you want them to go about it, Gary? Don't play for a draw at Bramall Lane, do you? No, I said that earlier. I, don't, I just don't think there's any point in doing that uh, because you put yourself under pressure when you do that. You just sit back and, um, you know, we did that under Chris Hewton a little bit. You know, if we went 1-0 up, you know, we'd, we'd go deep, go deep, you know, defend, defend. The, the striker would get isolated. You'd never get out your own half. And that that, that Coventry game um, this season, early in the season when we were 1-0 up and they scored two in the last, was it five minutes? to beat us 2-1 and you know that was because we you know we defended we've lost your sound Gary did you get a call you're back yeah from yeah Nigel Clough phoned me sorry (laughs) you patch him him in patch him in (laughs) yeah drop him in yeah he's uh, he's just yeah Um, sorry about that it's okay that's okay um, I'll come back to you in a sec, Gary. I just wanted to go, we'll go to Temps quickly. Forrest at Bramall Lane played very well. Didn't win the game. You know, Brennan missed that penalty, which we discussed earlier, and Billy Sharp scored. How does that play into the psychology of either team, do you think, that Forrest played well there? 
It was a good game and they showed attacking intent as well because I think I, I became a bit frustrated when we were coming up against sides that were parking the bus or trying to spoil it a bit like Luton. So that Chef United game, a bit like the Blackburn game with two teams wanting to play. So no, we won't go up looking to park the bus. Um, of, of course, we'll, we'll take a balanced approach. It's no bad thing to bring a drawback to the city ground, but we'll, we'll try to play. Um, I, I lived in Sheffield the last time we played that those um, semi-finals there, so I'm still haunted from uh, from from that day. But so much water under the bridge; these boys won't be aware of that game, let alone um, scarred by it. So let's just do our thing, like make our own plan. Don't worry about the opposition, and uh, do ourselves justice. But you know, I feel good about this. There's a good point in the comments actually, Matt, about um, better to play Sheffield United over two legs and to face them in a one-off in the final, which I think's um, good analysis, really. If we were to face Huddersfield or um, Luton at, at Wembley, we, we'd really fancy that. So this this may well be our final in a sense. If we can get past Sheffield United, um, it it opens up a bit, and we'll be uh, we'll be you know short priced favourites. So I like that logic. Um, we've got the advantage of um, finishing the tie at the at the City Ground. So let's get ourselves through the weekend unscathed, and then turn it on at home. Attempts makes a good point there, Gary. I think about the way Sheffield United go about it. They're not going to park the bus like Luton might have done to try and sneak a 1-0. Do you think that favours Forrest that Sheffield United are going to come out and play and maybe leave space? It's got to. I mean, the Luton game, that, that's a one-off. That's a league game. You know, it's not a two-legged affair. So you can afford to do that in a league match. But in a playoff semi-final, two legs, you're at home first. The onus is massively on you to, to go out and be positive and... Sheffield United will know that if they're over positive, they could get absolutely taken apart at times. It just depends on the quality we produce when we've got the opportunity to do that. Um, so I, I, people are saying, oh, I wish it wasn't home first. You know, if it was home first, you know, we could get a good lead. You're not guaranteed at home to get a good lead. Um, I, I'd rather play the away, uh, away leg first every day of the week. Um, and I, I was in the playoffs with Notts County many years ago when I was there. And we got knocked out by Warsaw. It was one of the worst moments of a career because I think we were favourites to do it. We'd been in the top two all, all, all season and we we blew it, automatic. And we had a very experienced side. And, uh, you know, being knocked out in that way is, is not particularly good. And, uh, look, Steve will be... He's been so positive in everything he's done since he's come in everything that he's done. And I don't think that's going to change uh, on Saturday against Sheffield United. He'll back that group of players to the hilt. He'll say, right, we're better than them. Respect them. That we always used to do with Brian Clough. Respect your opposition, but don't be scared of them. And that's the mantra he'll give those players. What's the point in telling him to go out and, you know, we'll be careful in the first 20 minutes or whatever. Yes, players know that automatically. You know, they've got to be... They've got to start a game well. The start, the first 15, 20 minutes to me is very important, you know, in any game. But in a playoff game, first leg, you've got to do the basics well. You've got to, if you get the opportunity to do the other stuff, which we're excellent at, then fine, you do it. And it comes natural to that group of players. You know, it, it does. It's, it's staggering in the short space of time that, you know, they've grasped the nettle and they do that. And it's, you know, a lot of things in football are instinctive. You know, people used to say to me, well, how did you do that on the pitch? And I said, I've got no idea. You don't as a player because it comes to you and you make your mind up in a split second what you're going to do. And we've got so many good players who do good things in split seconds. 
We've got Garner, we've got Zinkenagel, we've got Surridge, we've got Johnson, you know, we've got Ryan Yates. You know, they, they all make the decisions at the right moment. And there's no reason to see why that'll stop in, in that game. And then if you, you know, you do go and get a decent result there, then nobody wants to come to the city ground. You know, it's the, it's just staggering, you know, how we've been and the, the atmosphere at the city ground. Some teams it lifts. But if we get, you know, any sort of victory, they then have to come to us and, and then go for it again, which again will suit us. So, you know, first goal possibly important, but first 20 minutes for me important. Do the basics well. Um, an interesting point here from Ian Temps and the comments about the FA Cup. I mean, obviously all the FA Cup games are at home, so it's not really relevant to Bramall Lane. But do you think the experience of those big games will, will help Forrest in the playoffs? Yeah, it does, because those games have instilled and reinforced the fearlessness that Steve Cooper tried to coach into the team, and now it's become endemic within the team. They went into those games not trying to avoid failure, but trying to achieve success. I think that's a change of mindset amongst, you know, bottom-rung championship sides and those that are aspiring to be promoted. You can't die wondering. You can't go in there. Um, with any kind of negative mindset, you've got to want to push, 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 take every free quick, uh, free kick quickly, take that risk, beat that man, have that shot. And that's the mindset we're all in. Forrest are going into games now expecting to, to win, um, being set up to be rapid on the counter-attack, to exploit pace, to almost trick teams into thinking that they're, they can commit more men forward so we can get in down the side. It's like so exciting to see. And it's a result of everybody buying into the, the same plan. And I think when you have a plan that succeeds against Leicester City, against Arsenal, against Fulham, uh, it just reinforces the, um, the, the entire process. So, so yeah, we're, we're a better side for those experiences, Matt, for sure. Eight attempts, even Liverpool. You have to include the Liverpool game in that, in that respect because mm. they, they, you know, they were struggling against us. They, they brought four players on to make a difference because they were afraid of, of maybe getting beat. So, the, the you know, that positive mantra was still there in that game. Yeah, it's Liverpool. We respect you, but, you know, we're going to give it a go here. And uh, nobody, I don't think many people would have expected us to beat Arsenal or Liverpool, but we got close to it against Liverpool. Leicester maybe would have been a better opportunity because uh, their season's not been as good as, you know, normal. Um, although the, you know they did well in Europe, but yeah, I, I just think the mindset he's put into these players' minds is just, you know, absolutely fantastic. It, you know, there seems no fear about doing or trying to make the right decision in the right area. Where are these ties going to be settled then, Gary? In terms of mentality over quality, key moments going your way. What's it going to come down to against Sheffield United? It can come down to little bits of luck. It, Matt, it can come down to anything. In these sort of games, you know, it, it could be a fluke goal like we saw, you know, at Hull. Hopefully it won't be. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's about, you know, taking your opportunities when they come your way, making the right decisions in the final third. You know, the worry for me, not, it's not a worry for me. The, the good thing about it for me is we've got probably three of the best defenders in the championship at the moment. And, uh, you know, the experience they give you, you know, is is going to be key, I think. Um and just say to the, you know, the, the creative players further up, just go and do your stuff. You know, just go and take it to the opposition. Do what you do best. <coughs> I'll mute myself. Um, Temps, just looking ahead 
Uh, in fact, do you want to say any more words about the playoffs before we move on? Is there anything else you want to add? No, we've said it. Let's uh, let's move on and come back next week and talk about Wembley. <laughs> I think the other thing I want to add just quickly, um, the FA Youth Cup final is this week, I believe. I'm just fancy checking my phone there. So, yes, it is. It's on Wednesday. Um, Gary, that's something that's going to... It's a great occasion for the club. Crazy amount of tickets sold, over 50,000. Great occasion for Forrest and great occasion for those young men, isn't it? It couldn't be better, could it? I mean, it just shows you the fantastic work that goes on behind the scenes at, at the training ground, you know, at the academy. Uh, you know, it's phenomenal. The players that have been brought through that are still being produced um, and to get through to the final, to play at Old Trafford against Manchester United, it's, it's some feat. Maybe Manchester United should play that team in the Premier League, actually. It might be uh, a little bit more beneficial to them. But, yeah, I've got every admiration for the people who do everything that doesn't always get noticed so much as it should do. Um, but you know, when they get when you get to a final, you know, they should get the accolades because, you know, they work on a daily basis with these young players and they're instrumental in bringing them through difficult periods in their life. Um, you know, because of that, when they come in, they've been at the academy a long time, then they get to an age where... Am I going to make it? Am I not? And, you know, it's it's not the easiest job in the world to, to get all that right. And again, you have to applaud what Steve Cooper's done re- regarding that, about, I keep using that word, embracing, but that's what he's done. He, he's not, it's not just about the first team, it's about the whole football club. You know, he wants a whole football club to be successful. He wants it to be successful for the fans, for everybody. You know, it's not, he, it's never been about him. It's about, you know, the history of the club. Um, you know, he wants to move it forward and uh, he wants to bring young players through. And, and that's what's happening at the moment. And we sure will be very, very happy and uh, grateful that, you know, we've got somebody like him in charge. Yeah, a good point from Richard in the comments again. Uh, five years ago, I'm going to believe this is right, Richard, and not fact-checking on the spot. I'm sure you're very reliable. Five years ago, six England internationals played in the Youth Cup final. Foden, Sancho, Mount Gurhey. And Hudson Adoy. So it's a Forest have got a tough task, but hopefully a couple of our own lads end up playing for that level. And obviously Dale Taylor is already a full international. And also good luck to the under twenty threes, I should say. They play their playoff final on first leg Friday, second leg Sunday, the twenty third of May against Stoke City. No, that's wrong. They play it on Sunday the fifteenth of May. I'm reading this on my phone, should be better prepared. But good luck to them and another example of how things are going for the club. Um, last thing, oh, and Reese James also played in that cup final as well, which I said. Um, last thing I want to talk about Forrest um, linked with Joe Rothwell at Blackburn, good player, uh, free agent, 27, bit of a Ghana type player. Maybe that's a bit of an indication, like Gary says, Ghana would probably walk into the Man U team at the moment. But Temps, I mean, sensible kind of recruitment. Ghana's a very good championship player, isn't he? And a free agent at 27. Yeah, I'd, I'd love that sign-in. Uh, Man U trainee, played age groups for England, which um, will probably attest his, his kind of technical ability. Um, but yeah, the, the Blackburn fans very much into him because of his box-to-box work rate and all-round all round game. Um, he's already announced the fact that he, he won't be signing a new contract with, uh, with Blackburn. So it seemingly it was against West Brom for his signature at this moment in time. But yeah, 
I mean, they have half an eye on, uh, on, on Ghana potentially not being with us this year. And it's the type of signing that you feel could um, work regardless of the league that we're operating in. But I think more importantly, um, evidence of having a, a positive transfer strategy for a 27-year-old fella who's proven at this level and has aspirations to play in the Premier League, um, arriving on a free transfer potentially, again, just, just seems to have um, Dane and Steve Cooper's um, hands all over it and this this kind of um, recent uh, flurry of transfers that whilst we may have questioned at the at, at the time have, have borne out to be really positive changes so yeah delighted by the individual and delighted that it shows uh, further um, progress in a transfer policy which has been really progressive and successful this season. Right uh, before we leave it there Gary before you go call Nigel Clough anything you want to add before we let you go any other business? No, just to reiterate what uh, Tempsey just said, you know, preparation is paramount and you can guarantee that preparation has been made by Steve and his his, his team uh, and everybody at the club involved in, uh, you know, recruitment for either scenario, um, you know, whether it's Premier League or whether we stay in the Championship. And uh, that has always been one of the most important things to get right at any level that your preparation is right for the following season. And, uh, you know, I, I've got no worries about that either way. But, uh, you know, we're going to the Premier League. Right, we will leave it there. Um, thanks to everyone who watched along as ever and dropped comments in as we stream live on Facebook. Uh, if you catch us on YouTube, do like and subscribe and the same on iTunes or any other platform. I'm not sure what the plans are for the rest of the week, whether we do one of these on Friday Saturday maybe after the game or otherwise just come back Monday. So do uh, keep tabs on the podcast feed. Gary, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Yes, we'll let you go and call Nigel Clough. Thank you for just fobbing Nigel Clough off to speak to us and not disappear. We do appreciate that. Temps, no one famous called you, did they, during the game, during the podcast? No, I was just going to mention that I scored yesterday, my first for Woolerton over 35 of the season. So, yeah, nice to outscore Gary Bertels for one weekend in the history of football, at least. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Oh, uh, just, uh, yeah, talking about Nigel Clough, all the best of Mansfield as well in the playoffs. They they play Saturday as well in the playoffs, their first leg. They've got Northampton. They Northampton. Yeah, they have. Well, oh, they must be broken. After that, Bristol Rovers scoring seven goals. Scunthorpe yeah, already relegated. I mean, yeah, but where Mansfield were as well early in the season, you know, bottom three looking really grim. You know, the job Nigel's done has been, you know, fantastic to get them in there and, uh, you know, breaking season records and things like that. So let's just hope he can pull it off as well. Yeah, that's football, isn't it? I was going through my phone yesterday. One of my Facebook friends used to work for Forest. is a big Northampton fan. He was gutted. The post below was Bristol Rovers goalkeeper, I know, from another job, and he was celebrating the highs and lows of football and what it can do to you in the space of two Facebook posts. But, yeah, we shall leave it there. Thanks very much, everyone, and we shall catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.